Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and I have a special guest today, somebody that I'm happy to call a friend and a mentor. He's um, been very helpful for me um, along my journey so far. His name is Ken Blankenship, a.k.a. KB. How you doing? Well, I appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate you coming to sit down with me, and I can always count on you. You know, every time so far I've called you, you've always answered the phone. Try to, man. Every single time. Well, first off, let me start off by saying congratulations. With your Eagles, yeah, you yeah, know, last, last week when we sat, when we we're doing our making our rounds, you gave me about three, four different scenarios, and in every single one of them, you had the Eagles winning. So go ahead and break that down for me. Well, I, you know, and thanks for the kind words, and uh, just want to say something about that real quickly. I've had, you know, several mentors, you know, that have helped me in this business, in the radio business, and uh, which is now the radio and podcast kind of business, right? right. But uh, not the least of which was my dad, who was, you know, a radio man for years and years, not to mention the most incredible individual I've ever you know, met, much less been around. So he was my, you know, my big inspiration. And, you know, maybe it's true that it gets in your blood. So, right. but anyway, all that aside, I, I thought the Super Bowl was uh, first and foremost, a very good game. And I think if you were really to poll, you know, people on what they want to see, you know, outside of, you know, a rabid fan base, I think most most people would tell you they just want to see a good, close, competitive game. And I think that's what we saw. And I said going in, I think I gave five scenarios, the four, first four of which I saw the Eagles winning the game, and the very last one being that the Patriots would win it closely. And I, I thought that was the least likely scenario, even though most people were kind of picking like that. And New England indeed was a favorite, I think, by maybe four, four and a half or something like that going into that game. But I just thought – Philadelphia's overall roster, their team, and not just players, but their coaching staff, Doug Peterson and that staff and everything, uh, while probably up against a – well, no, probably. They were up against a legendary team, coach, coaching staff, organization, the whole nine, you know, what I think you could truthfully call a dynasty – you know, I just thought Philadelphia, I was very confident. Let's put it like this. And I told you this before we went on the air the other night. I was very confident in Philadelphia's chances to not only win that game, but to win it handily. That matter of fact, that was my most likely scenario. What I probably did was shortchanged New England uh, a pretty good bit. And it wasn't, and I really didn't intend to disrespect New England or their personnel or anything about that maybe the the best organization in all of pro sports, uh, maybe even in the history of sports. I, I think you'd have to put them in that conversation. It wasn't meant that way at all. It just meant that their defense, even though they've had a rather impressive turnaround this year from the way they started off earlier in the year, I still thought that their defensive personnel was at least, in, at, you know, uh, parts of their roster a little bit suspect. even right. And, I just, and it was really way more, uh, you know, a, um, a, an endorsement for Philadelphia's roster and their coaching staff and the way they've played this year. And, and really, as much as anything, the depth, you know, right. because I knew I, I thought Philadelphia with a really what I think is a historically great offensive line, uh, not 
so much that they totally overpower you. But that, like we were talking about before on this also, is that this offensive line is so athletic, they can get out on the edges and do some really cool things. And then when you put those two big, impressive backs in Jay Ajayi and especially LeGarrette mm-hmm. Blunt, and, and Ajayi being the, the one of those two with maybe the more upside, but LeGarrette Blunt being a proven commodity in this league, has won a Super Bowl with the Patriots, you know, and he has, for whatever it's worth, maybe a little bit of a revenge factor or a, you know, get his previous, and not that it's that was that big a deal, I don't think, in Blunt's mind or anybody else's, but maybe a little bit of that. But the main thing is that he's 250 pounds and he's got really quick feet for a guy that size and running behind that offensive line. Plus, Philadelphia, you know, staying with the offensive scheme. I don't know if you wanted to spend as much time on this. Oh, but, fine. Go ahead. but anyway, you know, it, it's not like they can't throw the ball. Now, Carson Wentz, an MVP candidate, uh, a, a guy that in his second year, a lot of football experts said would would have won going away the MVP vote, mm-hmm. was playing at a great and really Hall of Fame level this year because of several factors. Um, he goes down, and so it looks like the same typical Philadelphia sports story where you get snake bit in the end. You get close, you get snake bit in the end. But, you know, you had to know at least a little bit better because Nick Foles has already had success not only in this league, but he's had success with this organization, different coaching staff and everything. Before it was with Chip Kelly and that new kind of offense that they were putting on the NFL at high tempo, that high – conditioning, you know, just – and I think that kind of took the NFL by storm and then they adjusted to it. But that first year, you know, Nick Foles throws 27 touchdowns and only two picks. Right. And uh, so anyway, but this – but I still knew that the head coach of the Eagles, Doug Peterson, not only played the position quarterback in the NFL as a backup to Brett Favre and others, but he also, you know, has been coaching it and has been somewhat of a – and maybe you could probably drop the somewhat, but he's been a coaching, a quarterback coaching guru in this league, and a you know a guy who really understands offenses and how to attack defenses. And I just thought that combination. And I, you know, look, I, I didn't, I didn't think Nick Foles had to be tremendous for them to win this Super Bowl. But as it turned out, I think we saw that he was tremendous that day. And even though Tom Brady. You know, he did all he could. Yeah, he, he did all he could do, and he had a historically great game numbers-wise and all that. But Nick Foles went toe-to-toe with him, and as I heard another pundit say, you know, shortly after the Super Bowl, he made more tight window throws in that game than Brady did. Matter of fact, Brady, early in that game, was kind of off. He was missing he was some stuff. Ducks yeah, early he in was. the game. He was, and you know, those are passes that he almost hits almost every Sunday, no matter what. I mean, he might miss them one out of 50 mm-hmm. Sundays, but uh, he was not real sharp. I don't know if it was a cut on his hand still healing or whatever it was. And he eventually found a rhythm and, you know. Yeah, go on. Um, one thing real quickly to interject here. I think the, when Malcolm Jenkins with a clean and totally official hit, no – Spearing anything like that. Clean hit. When he knocked out Brandon Cooks, their their wide receiver who is their deep threat, whose numbers this year, his his per I think yards per catch numbers this year were more than Randy Moss's the year that he had a historical year with Tom Brady in New England. You know, I thought that was a huge part of 
Philadelphia's success in that game because you essentially took that long ball threat away and all that speed on the outside. And But anyway, I thought for what I and maybe others saw going into the Super Bowl, a New England roster that wasn't, I thought, nearly as good as Philadelphia's, mm-hmm. you know, all the way across the board, I thought they played pretty well and on both sides of the football. I mean, you know, Philadelphia did get the running game going, and Fultz was tremendous, but I, I think he was tremendous under pretty good yeah. defensive, maybe not so much pressure because he had a lot of room to see and operate, but a pretty good coverage. And overall, I thought New England, for the roster they had, played pretty well and made Philadelphia maybe go to the next level. I agree. When, and when I when I watched the game, I mean, first of all, I, I picked New England to win just because okay. I, I couldn't bet against well, Tom not, Brady. it's not a bad pick. Right. I mean, that's the that's the you know the reasoning. Yep. That's sound reasoning. That's what the reason. Yep. Like, anybody who picked New England pretty probably much. just pretty much Tom Brady. But just sitting back watching the game, I just had this feeling the whole time, like, you know, Tom's doing all he can, but just watching it, it just didn't feel like they it's had enough, enough to – yeah, yeah, it didn't feel like he had enough to come back and, and win the game. So he did all he could, but then in the end, you know, the, the sack, the uh, strip sack or whatever. Yeah, but it, it just – like you said, when Brandon Cooks went out the game, it, they kind of they kind of uh, hurt him in the long run. But I just – Tom did all he could. I don't blame him. Um, it's pretty much the defense just – I yeah, mean, yeah. Philly, you guys had did anything you wanted to do pretty much, running, throwing. The play calling was excellent. But uh, I just didn't feel like New England had enough to win the game just, just sitting back watching it. Well, listen, I, I, I thought the defensive effort by New England was – I thought it was very good because, you know, it wasn't like – you know, even though Philly got that running game going and all that, the touchdowns that they scored – you think about Alshon Jeffrey's catch for a touchdown, the very first touchdown of the game. It was a really nice throw and an even better catch. So he had to make it at the back of the end zone under heavy coverage. Right. Corey Clements' touchdown was heavily guarded. He had to make a back of the end zone catch, which probably shouldn't have stood, I thought. So that maybe that's a gift. But, I mean, the point is, is that the D was there. Philly was just making plays. But New England's defense, I thought, was good enough to make them make plays. And uh, it, it ended up being a very exciting Super Bowl, one that was, you know, a one-possession game throughout the whole – it wasn't one of those games where it had just good moments. I think the good moments came early and they stayed, and we saw I, I, what I thought was a classic Super Bowl. How much do you feel that Malcolm Butler not playing hurt New England? I, I, think, a, I think a good bit. Um, would they have won it without him? Who knows? And you can speculate, and the game went down as it went down. But I'll say this about Malcolm Butler. When he bust on the scene out of West Alabama or Alabama State or wherever, nobody had heard of this kid, right? right? And that's what New England does. That's what Belichick and that coaching staff does and the brain trust and all that. They find just gems, and who, these guys are legitimate pro. I mean, think about their wide receiving core. Think about, I mean, all the way across the board, they find guys who are legit pro NFL athletes but have very little or no name. And they put them with the goat, if you want, mm-hmm. and the goat finds them, and or you know that that outstanding offensive line who's not only protected Brady over the years but been good running the ball as well at times. I mean, think about their backs uh, before two or three years ago. Who had heard of James White? And right. A little bit with Deion Lewis, you know. Uh, but anyway, so anyway, I, I just I, I thought I thought it was a uh, a real good effort by New England, but just too much Philly. 
Just and look going forward, I believe New England they're going to have a hard time getting back. I just think the talent is not there. Yeah. Really, I, yeah. to me, I've always said I believe they're taking Tom Brady for granted because they just take. Even though they win, they just take God, no name guys to plug them in. But I just wish they put more talent around him to spend a little bit more, spend money. A little yeah. bit more money. Yeah, and then like we said with Malcolm Butler, I kind of see with him. Um, you bring in Stephon Gilmore, you pay him instead of Malcolm Butler, who helped you win the Super Bowl already. So kind of feel like that maybe they kind of rubbed him the wrong way all year. I don't know why he was benched or whatever. They said it was right. He didn't find out until right before kickoff that he wasn't playing or whatever. Yeah. So it, it kind of well, I that hurt New England as I, well. I heard it was a combination of things. I heard he had been a little bit ill. I had heard that. I mean, I heard I heard four or five things. I heard there was a possible team violation. Maybe, maybe he got caught smoking weed or something like that. I don't know if that's speculation. He denied all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't know how much truth there is to that rumor. I haven't really checked with my Boston sources, and they're pretty good. So I'll, you know, maybe next time, maybe if we do another one of these, I'll have more, you know, definitive information. But I don't, I don't have that right now. But whatever it was, hey. And the other thing is, is if he violated team rules. And once again, I'm biting off of another reporter, but I, isn't that what we all do? Right. But if he did, and, and I don't think Belichick or anybody else in that organization would have punished him if he didn't actually do something like, you know, be late to a meeting. I guess it's, I guess it's kind of how much do you weigh what he did, his violations versus the need to play him. And obviously Bill Belichick's the captain of that ship and he found a need to keep him out of that game for the most part. And, you know, did that hurt them? Yeah, it hurt it some. How much? I don't know. Maybe never answer. I don't I don't think the way Philly was going down the field, it would help that much because they could still run the ball. Yeah. But just – I think just him being out there would have just gave the team extra motivation, help him out. But I think – Plus he's probably, along with Gilmore – Closest thing they have to a, you know, what we call a shutdown corner or, you know, a press cover guy. And he is, he's a very tough cat and he's an upper level athlete, you know, and he's a gamer, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a gamer. And so, and he hasn't had the greatest year compared to his other years, but I, I just got a feeling I, and who knows what Belichick is thinking and his reasoning and all that. He doesn't give you much and we kind of get it as the weeks and weeks go by. But, um, I just feel like unless his, you know, his, um, what, what, what's the word I'm looking for? His indiscretions were egregious, unless that was the case, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I'd have played him at least some. Me too. I think that's just me. I feel like you owe it to your team to give them the best chance Absolutely. to win the game. And it just Absolutely. feel like you kind of shortchanged them, you know. Maybe I, just I, to make a point or something. Yeah, it might yeah. might have been yeah. just to make a point or everything that's going on it's with tough call. Garoppolo yeah. and the whole organization yeah. right now. Maybe he kind of did it out of spite. Yeah. But I feel like you owe it to not only Tone but your team to yeah. to try to win the game. But before yeah. before we get off of this, going forward with your Eagles, yeah. you know, people have been talking about Nick Foles yeah. and yeah. Yeah. Carson Wentz. So what do yeah. you think the Eagles need to do going well, forward? Well, it's a, it's a great problem to have if there is such a thing. Uh, for one, Nick Foles can play the quarterback position at a high level in the league. We've already seen that. We saw that in the Super Bowl. But even more importantly, Lowe's, I believe, is the fact that Nick Foles is an outstanding human being. He's a man of integrity. He's a faith guy. Listen, can you be a good person without being a faith person? Yeah, I guess. But I know 
uh, I feel like I know. I feel like I have the discernment to see when someone's genuine in their faith. And I've never met Nick Foles, but from everything I see and read and hear, he is an outstanding uh, man of faith. And he's actually studying to go into the ministry when he retires from football. So all that said, I believe this this dilemma, if you will, this challenge for the Philadelphia Eagles organization will work itself out. For one, not only is Foles a, uh, a, let's call it a man of integrity and all that, but there's several on that roster that are. And, you know, it, it there truly is, for one reason or another, a family environment in this Eagle organization. I mean, um, but anyway, I, I won't really go down that road, but there's a lot to be said for that. And so I believe the organization will take their time and let Nick Foles decide what he wants to do, knowing that, let me make a baseball analogy. Let's say you had an outstanding major league center fielder, okay? And he, in his early years, was kind of up and down. He did some real nice things for you. As a matter of fact, had a great year. I'm making the parallel, of course, to Nick Foles playing a quarterback position. But uh, alongside him, you also had another center fielder named Willie Mays. My point being is that if Mays gets hurt, even though the other outfielder may be a Major League Baseball all-star, he ain't Willie Mays. Right. And that's the opinion I believe most of us have and, and everybody in the Philadelphia Eagles organization has about Carson Wentz. They believe his upside is truly unlimited, and I believe the same. I think every box you can check for being a Hall of Fame NFL quarterback that Carson Wentz has already started to check and will, barring any other bad injuries, continue to check. And I think he's on a Hall of Fame career or at least a really good one. So so does Nick want to stick around in a supporting role? That would be great, and he might do that. But if he chooses to sign with somebody else in free agency, there's nobody in their right mind, and Eagles fans aren't always in their right mind, but uh, there's nobody in that Eagles organization who's on, on payroll going to second-guess him or, or question him. That you know, Everybody has to do what's right for them and their family, and if he chooses to go be a starter somewhere else, there's going to be some teams looking for him. But so I, I believe, think it's a problem that kind of works itself. I believe he still has one more year on his contract. Yes, yeah. yes. So yes. If, what I would do is I would hold on to him, you know, at yeah. least up until the trade deadline and see how other teams are doing, see yep. who's doing bad, who needs a quarterback. Yep. Um, but also you need to not rush it because of Carson Wentz. Make sure he's healthy. If right. he's not healthy, I would just hold on to him oh, throughout absolutely. the whole season if I have to, just to give the team the best chance to win. But I, I think it's a good situation to be in absolutely. as well. Because it's a you good have problem to have. Two, two really good quarterbacks. You know Wentz. I mean, he's with the number two pick in the draft. He, he is the future. Absolutely. So you hang on to him. And I believe he would have been the MVP had he not got absolutely. hurt. So just hang on to him for the um, until up, at least up until the trade deadline. Maybe see who's doing bad. They'll probably give you a call, maybe off a first round pick for Nick Foles, and then go from there. But I think going forward, um, of course, Carson Wentz he's not going anywhere. So just hang on to um, Nick Foles. But before we get off um, football, let's go down to the college level, uh, National right. Signing Day. Yep, yep. A video went viral of um, Jacob Copeland. He decided to uh, go to Florida mm-hmm. over Alabama and Tennessee. And 
you know, his mom was sitting right beside him and she didn't look too happy. So she got up and left, walked in front of the camera and it went viral. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what you thought about Jacob Copeland's situation and then overall national sign of they being such a big event. Yeah, well, let's set the table on that video. First off, his mom is sitting at a table with him and he's got the three hats, right? He's got the Alabama the LSU, I think, and the Tennessee. Tennessee hat, right? His mom has on an Alabama sweatshirt, mm -hmm. and she's got a Tennessee beanie yep. on. And he ends up picking Florida, right? And obviously, the reporter who asked him, when she got up and walked off, disgusted. And listen, she walked off, and you could tell she was disgusted, but she didn't really make a big, I mean, I guess you could kind of say she made a big scene by walking off. She probably should have just sat there and supported her son. But let, it, it needs to be noted that she did come back months right. later and apologize and everything. It was an interesting moment to say the least. But at the end of the day, at the end of that decision, when you're about to ink that paper, it's got to be the individual who thinks, they, I think you should get advice, especially from your friends. And I mean, excuse me, especially from your family and close friends in that order, not in another order. And I guess that kind of depends on who you consider family. Right. But um, no, I, I think you ought to get, you know, as much good advice from people that you care about and who care about you as much as possible. At the end of the day, it's the athlete themselves that has to make that decision. And not all of them make the right decision. You know, he may go down to Florida and not be happy, but down in Florida now, you know, we know Dan Mullen can coach. He just came over from Mississippi State. So there's a new coaching regime down there. Florida, as far as the football program, is always on very good footing because the money's down there, the fan support, the base, and the whole nine. They've won national titles before. Um, you know, so uh, so what can you say? I mean, yeah. it, it, it couldn't have been that bad a choice. But it was interesting. And as far as signing day itself, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, I've been doing sports talk radio actually in this market for close to 25 years. And that just hasn't been a real big thing with me and not nearly as much in football as it is with basketball. Now it is a big thing with a lot of guys who do what I do or do what we do. Mm -hmm. But, um, but to me, and, and listen, I'm into the athletes and all that. Like, I mean, recently we did the Zion Williamson thing right. where he was going to go. And I was all up in that because I'm the number one spokesman in the world for Zion Williamson. I don't know if you knew that, but anytime you need anything on him, let me know. But, um, but uh, yeah, man, I, it, it is a big deal to a lot of people and just takes a little bit of a backseat to me. Right. And for me, um, just to talk about Jacob Copeland's situation, um, I, I, when I saw the video, I felt bad for the kid because, you know, if anybody has your back, it's your mom. Your mama's always going to be Absolutely. there. So just Absolutely. to see her get up, um, I thought it was kind of selfish because it was she was taken away from his decision. You know, it's, it's about him. This is his day uh -huh. to be happy. So when she gets up and just walks off, it's basically she doesn't support his decision. So I felt bad for the kid. And even though she came back later on, gave him a hug, and he was crying, I still thought it was wrong and selfish for her to get up and – but, it, you know, it kind of felt awkward. Like you said, she had on the Alabama hoodie and Tennessee cap. Yeah. And then there was another guy in the back. I'm not sure who he was. He had on some uh, Tennessee gear as well. Yeah. But just for her to get up and walk in front of the screen mm -hmm. and uh, after he made his decision, it, I felt bad. And 
you can't really ask uh, not the reporter because he's doing his job. You know, somebody yeah, gets up, you're going to ask, you yeah, know, who, yeah, who yeah. left? Who well, and may, maybe leave it at that, but, yeah. you know, because he pressed a little bit much. And when the kid was kind of embarrassing, it was a it's kind of an awkward moment to say the least. But and you now let me turn this back on you. The interviewee uh, asking a question of the interviewer, you said you felt bad for the kid. I would say bad being a relative term, right? Because, right. I mean, I feel bad for that individual because of that moment. But think about it. And I know you didn't mean this by it, but this is interesting. The kid's a, he's a five star, right? Mm -hmm. he, or at least a four. four he's a five four star. or five star, right? He's getting ready to go to a D1 power five school on a scholarship. He's obviously got good enough grades to go. He's going to go to college at a major university and Los, I don't know where you did your schooling, but I went to Winthrop. My point being is that, yeah, I feel bad because that was an awkward moment. But this dude's getting ready to go be a part of something really special. He's getting ready to get an education. He's getting ready to pick from a big <laughs> pool mm -hmm. of possible future mates there at the school he right. attends. So, no, I don't feel bad for kid. Yeah. It was an awkward moment. Yeah, just, but he's, the world is his oyster. You know? right. No, I know, I know what you're saying. But it I, was an awkward moment. No, but no. I, I believe he'll go off and do well. I'm rooting for oh, the yeah, kid. Sure, you know? Absolutely. And he's absolutely. not the first one that is, that's no, happened not. to, though. You no, know, no, it's, no. it's going to happen. But yeah. It was a, interesting. Yeah. More than anything. But on a large scale, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much like you. Unless I'm covering these events, uh, like I did when Zion played when Spumber, they came to Dorman for that tournament yep, a couple yep. of years ago. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm pretty much at these events, I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to follow these kids when they're juniors, sophomore right. juniors, until they get to the collegiate level. But yeah, so um, it's got to work, right? Yeah. Anyway. All right. So on, on to the next topic right. NBA is yep. pretty much officially NBA basketball season now that football is over with. Yep. Yep. So it's uh, trade deadline, like we were trade talking Trade deadline about. less than three hours. Right now, yep. as we speak, it's 1.06 p.m. So it's on um, February, what is it, the 8th, isn't it? Yep. yep. February 8th. And, uh, so trade deadline's at 4 p.m. today, Eastern Time, I believe. Yep. Right? And right before we um, started Commence recording, here, yep, yeah. we were talking about Isaiah Thomas. He's on the move again. So yep. what yep. do you think? Well, the, I, the Isaiah Thomas thing did not work out in Cleveland, nope. to say the least, right? But there's, I think there's at least two or three noteworthy things here. For one, I still don't think Isaiah Thomas is healthy. I mean, I you can tell that by watching him play and the limited sample size we had this year of him playing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I think one thing that, uh, that may have at least um, somewhat completed this trade, in other words, maybe Cleveland would have been a little more hesitant to do this if it weren't for the fact that Isaiah in the last two or three days has spoken out, maybe when he could have, should have kept his mouth shut. There's a, I don't even know what cliche uh, it is, or, but there's a, there's a certain wisdom, if you would, to when you're in a new environment, go ahead and get established at what you're doing before you voice an opinion on your new surroundings. In other words, if you're, coming to a new job, you know, and you're around your coworkers and you've only been there a week and you're telling people what's wrong with them and how to change right. things and switch things. I think he may, he may have made a small mistake by doing that 
why not make sure everything works out on the court? So now, as the months and maybe even years, but at least the months wear on, and you're starting to add to some of the success, you know. And in other words, I mean, there's a time to voice your opinion, there's a time not, and this might not have been the time, especially when they're in such a mess. So that and the fact that Isaiah Thomas, although wonderfully talented with the ball in his hands when he's healthy, we saw that last year, averaging 29 a game or something like that, leading the NBA most of the year, fourth quarter scoring, being a super clutch player. Mm -hmm. But all that aside – you know, not healthy this year. Didn't look like it was going to work out anyway. And plus the fact that his defensive liabilities are just way too much. And they make the trade, sending him and uh, Channing Fry and, may, and maybe one other to the Lakers. And a first-round pick. Yeah, and a first-round pick. Cleveland first-round pick, so, not the Brooklyn. Cleveland's first-round pick. And in return, they get Jordan Clarkson. I don't know how much you know about Jordan Clarkson's game. But I'm telling you, he is very mm-hmm. good. Now, his long-range jump shot um, is is nice, but it, it just needs more consistency. Mm-hmm. But he is a player, a very athletic player, um, whose defensive upside is there. He's not a great defender, I don't think, yet, but he has potential to be. And also, the other player that they got is Larry Nance Jr., who, of athletic. course— is very athletic at 6'9", I think Larry Nash Jr. Jr. is, or 6'8", or something like that. He's a high flyer and all that. And the point being is that as long as he doesn't have tremendous defensive liabilities on the perimeter, then you can play him a a good amount of minutes. In other words, because in today's NBA, you not only have to have perimeter skills with the ball, but you also got to be able to defend that on the other end. As long and along with doing what you do, and in Larry Nash Jr.'s case, that's being phenomenal around the hole, and uh, you know, block you a shot occasionally, uh, you know, off the ball, get you some rebound, rebound his position and out of his area, do a lot of good things on the court, finish extremely well in the break, um, you know, and and playing with LeBron, he'll see even better passing now. Mm-hmm. He'll, you'll see a lot of lobs to that kid from LeBron and others, but. Um, you know, it's just like, to, to me, for those two, they've got to continue to develop offensively. Clarkson's got to help Cleveland from the perimeter, but also occasionally late in the shot clock or when he's rolling, they get it, they start feeding him the ball. And LeBron doesn't mind doing that. Mm-hmm. LeBron is not a selfish player. He will find you. So I think it's a good trade both ways. And the Isaiah Thomas experiment did not work out in the least. And I, I think Cleveland's happy to see him go, and I think he's happy to be gone. Yeah. You know? For me, I'm, I'm a Lakers fan, so I yep. look at it this way. This was clearly a move just to create cap space. Yeah. Because Isaiah, he'll be coming off the books. Um, Channing Fry, he'll be off the books. Plus, yeah. with the first-round pick, I believe if our pick falls between two and six or seven, then we'll we'll lose that pick. So, for us, this is just a backup um, first-round pick because we really needed one. Us being the Cavs. Lakers. Oh, Lakers. Lakers. Okay. Yeah, Lakers. Okay. Yeah, because you're um, a Laker guy. Yeah, I'm a Laker okay. fan. Okay. So um, I'm pretty. Mo- I'm pretty sure that this is just uh, creating cap space out there. Yeah. We already have Lonzo Ball, yeah. which I'm. I'm not the biggest Lonzo Ball fan, but I'm pretty sure he won't be going anywhere. So this is just a. Yeah, uh, you would think that would be a year or two before they pull the trigger right. on reversing right. that experiment. So know? this is pretty much just a rental process. Um, yeah, not right now, and then he'll be gone. But um, like you said, it, it, it didn't work out in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, they're going to get more athletic. 
uh, with Larry Nance and uh, Jordan Clark Clarkson giving them some scoring. And also, they yep. made yep. they just made another trade as well. Uh, it's a three-team trade with Utah, Sacramento, and Cleveland. Cleveland will send Jay Crowder and Derrick Rose to Utah. Hmm. Um, George Hill will be headed to the Cavs, and Joe Johnson was, will be going to the Kings. So yeah. that's another trade. Okay. So now so they you have get, a point you guard. get stability at the point guard position plus right. a guy who can defend at the one that they haven't had this year. And George Hill is a veteran in this league. He knows how to play the game. Will play with LeBron and those other guys very well. Cleveland, I tell you what, we were all wondering what they're going to do, and they they have tried, and yep. I think they've improved their chances. And it it gives a different feel to the NBA playoffs this year. I mean, you always see that to some degree, but this is. This is uh, rather large, man. I, yep. I, uh, I like the fact that they're at least, you know, moving some bodies. Right. And, and they still have the first round pick, Brooklyn's pick. So w- would you give up that pick for anybody or would you just sit tight and it, 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 it would have to be a real big time need. And they do have some big time needs. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just it would kind of depend on the player and the money situation and all that. But listen, you've got one shot uh, to answer your question definitively. I'd say yes. If I found that right person, because you've really got one shot, I think, with LeBron, and that's assembling a good enough roster about 4 p.m. Right. today, you know, to have a serious chance to, you know, I mean, you've got to get by the Celtics this year, too, mm-hmm. and it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't even going to come close to happen. Matter of fact, you weren't even going to see the Celtics this year with the roster you had right. this year. And the way the mess that you were, you might have lost in the first round or possibly second. But, uh, yeah, I like what they're doing. And uh, I think, like I said, to complete that thought, I think Cleveland has one chance to to impress LeBron. And that's to build that roster where he truly can, you know, contend for a title. But to me, it's almost all moot because whoever comes out of the West has a decided advantage. But then again, you still have LeBron James. And so some more, more breaking news. Nice. Cleveland, they're trading Dwayne Wade back to Miami. Are they really? Yep. So Son Dwayne Wade God. is going back home. That is pretty much a yeah. bombshell to me. That's crazy. Now, it doesn't say what he's who they're getting from Miami, but they said he is going back to Miami. And so. that may be just so he can retire. Yeah, you know, I believe so, too. Because he, he's pretty much on his last legs oh, anyway. Oh, no question. Yeah, so Love I, D. Wade. So going back home to Miami, I think that'll be yep. – and that clears up money, too. That's yep. basically what that's about. Yeah, so, so, yeah, Cleveland's been wheeling and dealing, man. i, I got to take my hat off to yep. them. But I so, still like Boston in the East, man. Yeah, Boston, they they look pretty good. I I, I don't trust Toronto just yet. I think they yeah. have a, a lot to prove in, in the, as playoffs. Far as the playoffs. As far as the playoffs, yeah. And they may make a trade. And they're good. They're mm-hmm. good. They're a good team. They yeah. may make a trade down the line. But so far, that's all. Um, we'll just have to keep checking on the trade deadline. All right. MVP race, who you got right now? MVP in the NBA right now, who Mm -hmm. have I got? Gosh. I I tell you what, let me give you a dark horse. I think Paul George is playing great basketball. Now, it would be hard for him to win being on the same team as Russell Westbrook because, listen, I want to credit Russell Westbrook here now. Ever since, up until the start of this year, especially like – maybe 10, 15 games ago. From the time that Durant walked out and went to Golden State, I thought that there was an unhealthy, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, overall 
basketball philosophy in OKC. In other words, as great an athlete slash basketball player as Russell Westbrook is, and he is by any stretch of the imagination, that organization from the guy who sells the T-shirts to the young lady who's parking cars to everybody, and I'm, I'm being facetious for a reason, seemed like everybody in that organization said, let's play a different brand of basketball than anybody's ever seen and do everything we can to set this one athlete up, being Russell Westbrook, to score the ball, no matter how many bad shots he's got to take, no matter how many turnovers or whatever. And it was just not good basketball. Now, it won 50-some-odd games with a what I consider a decent roster, but not a great one, you know, before they shipped Sabonis and and uh, Oladipo to right. Indiana. But it was still a, a decent roster. But it was just a bad way to – uh, play the game, attack mm-hmm. the opposition and all that. And now that they've brought Paul George in and Carmelo Anthony, um, and they still have Steven Adams, they've lost Robertson, their tremendous defender, defender, who couldn't shoot a lick anyway, but they miss him on the defensive end. But in spite of all that, Russell Westbrook, to his credit, has taken on a much healthier basketball philosophy slash appetite. And I think everybody else in that organization, hopefully everybody, they're seeing that this is much better basketball. So they're dangerous. So I I, I love what Paul George is doing and Westbrook. I, I think, of course, there's a natural nod to to uh, James Harden in Houston right. because, you know, he scores in such volumes. He's not my candidate because until Westbrook shows me that he can – you know, I mean, not Westbrook, but Harden shows me that he can lead that team on a deep playoff run because not only were they outscoring people, but they were really defending, and especially him, at a high level at his position. Then to me, he's not an MVP candidate. But as great know, as he is, a regular season award. Oh yeah, that's true. It's a regular season. That's award, true. So. Okay, well let's let's zoom into the regular season until he shows me some lockdown capabilities at the defensive spot. And listen. Maybe he can be so great offensively, his team so great offensively that it doesn't matter. And then I guess I would have to, by default, give him the MVP award. He's tremendous offensively. I've said on record, on the air, more than two or three times that he is he's one of the hardest guards, uh, hardest guys to guard right. in the history of the league. Maybe maybe the most uncheckable. But um, – it's 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 a situation where, um, you know, I, I like my players to play both ends. And it's not that hard to play any D, but sustained defensive intensity, SDI, never forget that one, is what it's all about in that league. And the, and the real good teams and real good players have a higher level of that. And I don't see that in Harden. But anyway, so uh, – but he's definitely an MVP right. candidate in anybody's book. But I, for, I was, for me right now, I'm taking – I'll have Harden one. Yeah. I'll put Kyrie Irving number two. Oh, he's awesome. Man. And for me, I I'll put Steph right there. Oh, absolutely. And and, and you can't Brooke. you can't rule out KD. KD he's having a great year. Uh, the Greek freak. The Greek I think freak. So no yeah. one's having a great year. And, and imagine him with a consistent. Imagine him being around thirty-eight to forty-three percent from deep. At some point in his career, he could be the best player. Oh, oh he could be the he best player be the best on the planet. Player. No question. 
But uh, Chris Porzingis, who just went down just with an injury, yeah. he's not going to win it now because of that. But I think he's a serious candidate. I love his game. Um, so yeah, they're out there. They're out there. So. I just, I just got to roll with Harden because regular season award and they yeah, all win. Yeah. Um, I think he's doing Chris the Paul most right should now. get some votes. But he, he stays hurt. Yeah, Paul, he, he, he's been hurt too much. He stays hurt a good, good bit, point. so I, I really couldn't go with him. Yep. But I, I think the way Harden is playing right now, yep. I think he'll he'll um, take the cake. Both. Before we close it out, one more topic. All right. All right. Top five players in the NBA right now. Top five players in the NBA. I think we just named them. I, I think there's no way you can keep LeBron off. I, I, I find it hard, as great as Golden State is, to keep both of their guys off. Stefan and KD. Um, and I may not get these in the particular order that really pleases your listening audience, but I, I think it'd be hard to keep Greg Freak off. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and um, you count the players that are hurt now. I mean, I love Porzingis, man. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's tremendous. Um, but I think it's hard to keep off Paul George. And I probably named six, but those would be, and I know I'm, I know I'm overlooking. I think Oladipo is having a great year. Russ is having another great year. Um, uh, Chris Paul, even though he gets hurt a lot. Um, and I haven't really looked at, you know, the leaders and all that. But, um, you know, Anthony Davis, I don't know what kind of overall numbers. But, hey, you got to look at that Minnesota roster, too. Carl Anthony Towns, Towns is, a, is a beast. Jimmy Butler is a great player. The other night, uh, I think it was, my, was it last, last night? night? I get my last clean. night. Yeah, I mean, even though LeBron may blocked his shot from off the ball, somebody else was guarding him late in that game, the possession before the game winner, and LeBron came back and made the game winner over Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Huh? That looks like oh, LeBron just killed it. Look at the box score. You know, Jimmy Buckets had thirty-five last night. He had a good night. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he's a top all-around player. So I think you could name. Probably no less than 12 or 13 guys, and if any of them got it, I'd be cool with it. Right. You know? My top five, I have LeBron number one. Yep. Even though they've been in the slump, Cleveland yep. in the slump, yep. I still give him the nod as the best player. Then for me, number two, I, I roll with Steph. I just think what he gives you on the offensive side of the ball is so lethal. I, he's I just a think much he's, better defender than people. Yep, he is. People, a lot of people tell me they think that he's just a shooter, which is not true. No, Steph well, is. Listen, is a let, bad man. Now that now that you've opened that door, let me. And I don't know if you've ever heard me voice this, but I think it, from what you just said, and I'm not saying this now, but it just made me listen. This is this is my. I have a book, and that means a one to ten sentence delivery on each player on their game. Mm-hmm. To me. Steph Curry sits atop the mountain of the purest basketball player to ever play. In other words, with it, it, let's let's take away the defensive end for a minute because mm-hmm. I think there's even a lot of basketball experts who should wash their mouth out with soap like we used to do it back in the mm-hmm. 60s. They, my moms and dad never <laughs> use that on me. They just tan my backside. But others in my neighborhood, they get their mouth washed out. But what I'm saying is – when you talk about offensive skill set, especially on the perimeter, it's dribble, pass, shoot. There have been some wonderful, wonderful, outstanding, historical Hall of Fame guys in that respect, not the least of which are people like Pistol Pete Maravich. Mm-hmm. I always got to go to Pete first because he was the, 
one of the original. But even go back as far as Bob Cousy, you could go to uh, Magic Johnson to some degree, even though he all he really had, well, by the time it was all over with, he had a nice little set, and he even got some range on it. But dribbling and passing, he's way up there. And, and just, just guys like that, Isaiah, the original Isaiah Thomas. Even today's Isaiah Thomas, dribble, pass, shoot, pretty special. Kyrie Irving, totally transcendent, dribble, pass, shoot, guys. But at the top, oh, Jason Williams, who mm-hmm. uh, originally from Rand, West Virginia, Randy Moss's homeboy growing up, who ended up having a real nice career. And if you've never Googled Jason Williams' top 10 uh, jaw breakers, uh, ankle breakers, or highlights or whatever is nice. special. He was as good as it gets, and and so there's been there's been a bunch of them. But when you put it all together, dribble, pass, shoot. To me, those three skill sets together. And for one, let's talk about let's talk about them individually. Dribbling the basketball, Kyrie Irving may be the greatest ball handler ever. I think you have to put him on the short list. But you know what else can handle it at a historic level is Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. He's got an unbelievable handle, passing the basketball. Greatest passer ever in your book. In my book that I've what yeah. that I've seen play. Yeah. Is it magic? Stuff. Is well, it, see, I wasn't born when magic right, was right, playing. Right, right. But uh, okay. if you want to go that way, yeah, I can give it a well, magic. Right, a lot of magic. people, especially my age, say magic. I'm gonna tell you as great a passer as Magic Johnson was. Listen, this is this is earth shattering, and this may lose you 90% of your listening audience. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you that in my eyes. I have never seen anybody pass a ball like Steph Curry. I've seen that cat play live and on TV, live probably two or three times. That's all once. Right? And on TV 50, 75 times or whatever. I'm telling you, man, watch just for that element next time. Watch how Steph, off a left-handed, off the dribble, Eyes Clay Thompson or Durant or somebody else on the entire opposite side of the floor and off the bounce flips his left hand and there goes the ball. And it's in the catching pot. It's the most incredible. And the stuff he does around the hole, kicking out and on the break. But anyway, so dribble, pass, and then shoot. The best Come shoot on, I've seen. There, there's nobody. The best shoot I've ever seen. When you talk about the rain, now listen. There may be the two, the three greatest shooters of all time, maybe playing together right now. Mm-hmm. When you talk about Durant, Clay Thompson, and Steph, but Steph with the range and the step back, come Deadly. on, man! Come as on, soon man. as he crosses half court, there's something just... about that team when he's there and healthy, and all the other pieces exactly around. What I and said. listen, I agree. you could you could easily make a case that Kevin Durant is the best player on that team, and maybe even the best player on the planet. And I have I have said that you got to give LeBron his due, but I'm telling you now that KD can guard and block shots and all that, he's got to be on the, in that conversation mm-hmm. on that short list. And so, but by, by the same token, when Steph Curry has the ball in his hands, with all that around him, they are a different team because of not only his range on his shot but also the pace at which he makes them play. And he makes plays not only making shots by himself, but getting other shots. So, I mean, to me, that's what makes them yeah. that extra bit of leader. I, so I, I think Steph Curry. I always tell people I believe that if you take Steph away from the team, I don't think they can win without Steph. 
rather than they can take KD away. I think they can win with with Steph before they can win. You know what? With KD man, I, yeah, that what? dude is as special. As strange man. as that sounds, I I agree with you. I really. He do. just I changes that, the game. I agree. He changes the game. So he that's does. Does. so that's why I have Steph at two. Yep. KD at three. Yep. Russ at four, and yep. then I have James Harden at five. That's probably that my list. my top no five. But yeah, that was um, just Steph just. To that's me, special he, he is, man. He's a super special. He, he really no is. Question. But but that's all, Katie. KB, right. I appreciate right. you. Um, absolutely, bro. Coming by here, sitting down, talking yep. to me. Uh, real quick, you can tell people where to find you at. Uh, well, I mean, find me is I, I don't do any social, no, social media. media. I don't do that's any. Right. So I'm the old school guy. I'm old as dirt, but I do have a radio show that I launch my little craziness uh, out of and off of every night, Monday through Friday. In Spartanburg, South Carolina, on Fox Sports Spartanburg, it's 1400 AM, 98.3 FM, on the internet at com, and on the TuneIn app. And I think the station even has a YouTube channel now. Okay. So that's how you catch us. I don't, I don't think you could hear or catch my show on a YouTube channel yet, but you can listen to those other four ways. And we do it Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., Except for the nights that I travel. I actually didn't have a show last night. I went in to do a show and found I didn't have a show. Oh, because okay. They had scheduled me to be off because we were in Rock Hill last night with uh, Presbyterian calling PC at Winthrop. But I got back in time to do the show, but they just wanted to make sure that uh, there wasn't going to be some dead air. So that's the way it was, and that's how you find me, bro. All right. All right. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And that's for me. I'm Carlos Smith. You can find me on Facebook, Carlos Smith, Twitter at Carlos K. Smith. And that'll be all for today. Well, until next time, people. Keep chasing dreams and stay prayed up. This is Across the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hello.